What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And even though Villanova lost its second contest of the season to Providence over the weekend, an 85-72 to 72 affair, Pat and I are in extremely good moods mm-hmm. because we are welcoming Villanova legend Alan Ray onto the podcast today. Oh, thank God we've got Alan on because no one wants to hear Emma and I go in after uh, another loss and uh, another frustrating one on Saturday. So instead, we're going to get to hear some insights from Alan. We know Alan, of course, always does a phenomenal job. We love talking with him uh, and cannot wait to have him on the episode. I also just can't stop talking about this, but I think it's so understated how valuable he is to Villanova because I said this when we're talking to him too. I don't feel like any other college basketball fan base has a former player that's as 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 accessible and honest and kind as Allen is who is literally tweeting and interacting and posting with people as the games are going on and especially this year with the season that Villanova's had with the ups and downs as someone who's been there before to have him offer insight is just so incredible and I think we're we're all very very lucky to have him and we are so happy that he came on. So we talk about everything under the sun from the Providence game to Villanova currently Villanova's future. And we are going to get into it right now. All right. So we are so excited for our guest today. He is a second team, all American, a first, second and third team, all big East team member, a 2000 point score and the owner of the number 14 Jersey in the Villanova Raptors, a multiple time guest, on the State of the Nova Nation podcast. Alan Ray, welcome back. We're so excited to have you on. How you doing lately? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. What's up, Pat? What's up, Emma? I'm ready to go. Everything's good. We just said before we started recording that we're in a little bit of a different place this year than we were when we had Alan on around this time last year. So it'll be interesting to compare the two conversations, but we know that we're going to get into a lot of exciting stuff coming off of the 82 was the final score, 85 to 72 Villanova loss over the weekend to Providence. And then the upcoming week with Xavier and Creighton on the docket, two really big games for Nova. But Alan, we wanted to start a little bit more general for you. This is your second or third year in the Villanova Twitter space, super active this year. What has your biggest difference been like with this struggling Villanova team as compared to some other years? Um, I, I just feel like this year, and it comes with, um, you know, not having a good season, but there's just a lot of a lot of questions that just can't be answered right now, you know, and I, I've noticed that a lot on uh, on Twitter. There's a lot of repetitive messages that constantly say the same thing or are frustrated about the same things. And, I mean, I feel the fans. I feel exactly where, where these guys are coming from. Um, I, I don't, I don't necessarily, how can I say it, am mad at people for having the type of reactions they have. You know, like me as a basketball player, my passion is different from someone who's like a fan. So I kind of get it. We come from two different perspectives. Um, but I just, I just think it's hard. I just think it's a tough, we're in a tough place right now. Um, the program, Villanova in general, we just like, in a tough place and we just all need to be positive and kind of try to just ride this out 
you know, just keep fighting. Obviously, we're not going to have every night's going to be a great night. We're not going to get the results we want every single time. But, you know, we just got to keep fighting and just keep pushing. Yeah. And I think your perspective has been really refreshing this year compared to a lot of everybody else's voices. But what you said was perfect because that doesn't mean that you're not frustrated by it. Mm -hmm. So the ceiling certainly isn't as high as it's been in the past, but that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you can't be frustrated as a fan, as a former player, like we've all been. So we're all there. It's just trying to find the best ways to, to air the grievances, I should say. Yes, definitely. And uh, you said it perfect. You know, I think that's the, the situation right now. Everybody has a lot to say. Everybody watches the game and, you know, people are not stupid. Like, you know, you guys watch basketball, you understand what's going on. You see some things that's going on on the court. So it's just, it, it's frustrating. Like you said, it's real frustrating. Yeah, I totally, and you talk about frustrating and, you know, you've had experience with frustrating as well, you know, 15 and 16, your, your first year. And then it was right over 500 your second year. We know this year hasn't been the season that everyone wanted to be or hoped it could be, but of course, then you guys really took off your junior and senior year in those two years, your freshman and sophomore year where, you know, the team had some struggles. What'd you guys learn in, in those two years that kind of helped shape you and then take off to, to finish your college career at Nova? Um, we 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 basically just had to learn how to win. And I know this sounds so cliche, but that was the the real thing that was holding us back. You know, um, I had put an example up on my uh, Twitter about me leaving Mike Gansey open in a corner. You know, I, I, I believe I was either a sophomore or junior, maybe, maybe a junior. But anyway, like just that mental lapse. And I knew, like, we can't leave – we can't help ball side and Mike Gansey's in the corner who's a great shooter. And like I helped and Mike got that, that shot. And I just remember being like, damn, like this is what I've worked for like my whole career to get into this position. And then like with one simple mental mistake, you know, I, I lost everything. And I think that was one of the biggest things that we had to learn is that the little detailed things was going to help us win. Like sophomore year, I was scoring 17 points a game in the Big East against grown men, but we was losing. I didn't know how to win. And then next year comes, I got to take a step back. And now you see Randy playing good. You see Kyle playing good. Everybody, Mike Nardi's playing good, and we're winning. So it's just little things like that of being able to learn how to win, pay attention to details on defense, switching. Like that's one of the biggest things too, and, and we see it all the time with this team. You know, the switching on defense, sometimes they get lost on it. Like, that's a real big thing to pick up. And you really got to be focused and really want to want to learn, learn how to do that to be able to get it. Yeah. And do you feel that that's just something that kind of comes with you with that experience with going through it? Because I think that's the hope for a lot of Villanovans here. You know, you think of Mark Armstrong, you think of a Brendan Hawes and you think of a Jordan Longino, you know, as this year has been a struggle, those feel like building blocks for this program to go on for go going forward. So do, do you look at it as the more time they're out there, the more that they can pick up on those little sides of the game that then can help turn the program around just like you guys did? So for one, being out there always helps. Like you always get experience that always helps being on the court and getting that, um, that gameplay. But you can look at it from two different perspectives. So let's take, for instance, with Coach, when I was playing, obviously Coach Wright was a coach. And I'm not comparing Coach Wright and I'm not comparing uh, Kyle Neptune. I'm just talking about what I know from being coached by Coach Wright. So 
let's say we have a bad game, we turn the ball over, right? That next practice, we can't turn the ball over. If we get more than like three turnovers in practice, like we're running. And every time we turn the ball over, we're running. I, Coach Wright, it could be we could be practicing for five hours. If the goal is to not turn the ball over and we keep turning the ball over, we're not gonna practice. We're gonna we're gonna get disciplined. Coach Wright was like that. He disciplined us a lot, especially when it came to the stuff that he knew was gonna help us to win. So like rebounding, playing playing defense, uh, boxing out, all the little stuff. So it was repetitive. If we didn't do it, cut the play. Let's do it all over again. So that that was how it was with Coach Wright. But then from my perspective as a player, just being who I am and the type of player, type of person I am, like I want to get better. I want to learn. I want to win. So I didn't need any like extra motivation to to want to go out there and learn these things that I need to win. And on top of that, my teammates is doing it too. So I definitely have to do it. I'm not going to be the odd one out while everybody else is trying, giving it effort. And I'm not going to be the the one on the outside not doing that either because then I wouldn't be a team player. So it, it's a lot of stuff that goes into it, you know, is is coaching and it's players. You know, it got it got to be one cohesive unit. Yeah. And I think the one thing that none of us have argued is that motivation, heart, effort isn't something that the team has lacked this year. But what I thought was interesting about what you said is when you were the young guy leading the team in scoring. And then as you transition, you had to take a step back from the scoring perspective. You took on other roles. It seems like this year, a lot of the older guys especially have done the opposite. They had been the periphery players in the past. This year, they've been relied upon to take a huge step forward and lead the team in scoring like Dixon Daniels Slater, but they're still losing. So what do you think the mindset is for them, especially in the locker room, because there are plenty of young guys on this team also from that leadership perspective, but to still see the L's each week? That, that this, is, this is a great point. And like, this is one of those questions that's just like hard to give an answer to because you have the guys that was on the team last year who went to the final four that got a ton of experience. And then you have some new guys that came in like Mark and all the young guys, Cam, but it's kind of not like, it's not clicking. You Meshing, know? Yeah. 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 So I don't, I don't know how to, to talk about this situation because it could be anything that's, that's going on, you know, from like players, coaches or whatever the case may be. But you would think that during this time of the season that, you know, things would have clicked together, but, it just hasn't, and I and I really just don't have have the answer to that. You know, I really can't sit here and say like, what's the leading cause to that? Right. So because I you guess- see, like, yeah, like you said, you see the effort they give the mm-hmm. effort, but it's just it's just not resulting in Ws. Yeah. So I guess the counter question to this, and maybe one that you can answer, is: Are you of the opinion of the national media? It feels like, and a lot of people on Twitter that opposing teams don't want to face Villanova at this point of the season or in the Big East tournament because it does feel like things are slowly starting to click into place in terms of health and playing good teams tough late. Do you feel like Villanova is at least in a better spot than where they were at the beginning of the season? Oh, for sure. Um, definitely in a better spot. Um, once, uh, So when Cam came back, you've seen a, 
a difference. You know, we started to play a little better, but we kind of fell off a little bit towards the end of the month. And then uh, Justin comes back and you just see what kind of impact he brings. You know, everybody's more intact. Defense is much better. So I like this Nova team now, but at the same time, you know, I know that they like Justin still has to get healthy and people got to get used to playing with him on the court. I do feel like they're in a better place. I do feel like they're a better team, but they still have to prove themselves. You know, we still don't have no quad one wins. Mm. You know, we got to get a quad one win if we want to even consider thinking about the tournament. Um, But, I mean, yeah, we just got to just keep fighting. You know, it's it's not simple. It's just, yeah. it's not simple. We wish it was. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. I I'd love to talk about the the offense because I know we've seen times where things have gone a, a little stagnant lately, and you know, especially looking at this program where Villanova, you know, they've built it really over the past 15, 20 years. A lot of that success on offense has come from the three, and you've played with a ton of great shooters. Obviously, yourself, Randy, Curtis, Mark, uh, Mike, excuse me, Kyle. Like we go down the line of, of all the different shooters, and can go further than that. You know, th- this Villanova team last five games you just take it 31 percent from three since conference play began about 32 percent from three would you like to see them attack the basket more just understanding their struggles from deep or do you think they kind of stick with that villanova dna and really go with the shoot them up sleep in the streets um definitely i i would love to see them get in the paint um get to the rim because we have guys who can do that we got guys that's physical who can play around the rim like Dixon has gotten much more physical. He's been taking hits and still scoring. You see J-Mo down there. Caleb is strong down there. Haven't seen much of Longino down there, but mm-hmm. he loves to play down there. So I think being in the paint is great. Mark can get into the paint. Mark is a one guy who can literally like blow by his man and draw help and like kick out. So I think that's one of our strong points. And uh, with the three-pointers, I feel like we got to shoot the ones – we got to shoot the good three-point shots. We take three-point shots. They're always contested. Probably move the ball around the perimeter from side to side and then take a shot. It, it, like, that's that's easy to guard. You know, there's a lot of times where we drive, and it happens with Eric all the time. Pick and roll, we'll drive, get in the lane, and both men will go without guard. And Eric will be at the top of the key wide open sometimes. And sometimes we, we're too slow to turn around and get that shot to him. Like, that's the the shots that I mean. Like, that's a wide-open three-pointer. I'll take that any day. Like, yeah. you don't have to pass that up. I'll take that any day. And then, like, a guy like like Housen, get him coming off some screens because he's, he's, an, he's an excellent shooter. And, um, like, when I played, obviously I was a good shooter. Mike Nardi was a good shooter. Randy was a good shooter, but Coach didn't want Randy to shoot threes all the time. Coach wanted Randy to get in the paint. Coach wanted Kyle to get in the paint. He kind of wanted me and Mike to be roaming around that three-point line and finding shots. So I think if we could kind of give guys more more roles, more distinct roles of who can shoot, when to shoot, I think that would be better. Because sometimes out there it look like they don't even know like when they should be shooting the ball. You yeah. Know? Yeah, you're you're definitely preaching to the choir that one. And I'd love to see some more 
balance with it because you know we talked about this team in three-pointing like they, they've struggled uh, on their three-point percentage there and as you said i think a lot of it is because they take tough threes through it. it your hope is that if they were more in the lane if they're able to draw guys you know bring those guards in and find more shooters on the perimeter a that alleviates a bit of the ball pro- ball movement issue which has most certainly been a problem for this team and b you're hoping you can collapse the defense a little more and, and find some open shots around the perimeter so i i'm I've been a huge proponent of it all season, and I, I'm really hoping down the stretch we see some more uh, balance and some more traffic in, in the paint. I mean, you see it. Like, you see – you watch the games. When we move the ball yep. and we get an open three, it's going down. It doesn't matter who. Arch could be in the corner. It's going yeah. in, mm-hmm. you know, because we, we move the ball well, and that's just basketball. When we don't do that, I feel like when we when we stop going inside to Dixon, like, I, yes. I don't care. When we stop going inside to him, that's when our defense. That's when our we start getting these offensive struggles, because it's not just going inside to Eric, just like hit and try to score, just passing it to him. The defense is rotating. The defense is coming closer. Just passing him the ball. So if he can't score, he already is drawing so much attention, and we just got to use that to our advantage. Whip it around real quick, or somebody has to attack. Yeah, it, you can see Pat and I literally like frothing at the mouth. As I was saying, Emma Allen is basically our third, our third host right here. I feel he's right at home with the show. These are what we talk about. I love it. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like yeah. that type of impact that you just talked about with Dixon is what Moore brings too. He might not be yeah. shooting even yeah, 30, 40 percent right from, yeah. from the field, but him driving to the basket, the type of help that that draws to leave another guy open. So my question is. We've talked about late game execution a lot as a huge issue for this team as well. Are you more worried about that? The te- the fact that the team has the parts, they're just not able to execute down the stretch against really good teams? Or is it the more general ideas of roster construction and game plan and the fact that those two things aren't clicking right now? Nah, you you see it. We We can play with anybody in the country, and we just always have that collapse yeah at the end of the game which is kind of normal for teams that's not really on a big time level they they tend to collapse in the second half that's just focus in my opinion it's just it, it, it's just focus and I can't sit here and say like oh that's the the coach's fault for not having the team focus yes maybe he might have a little bit to do with that but as a player like you got to be able to get yourself ready and and and, fo- and focused to go and i just want to touch back on another point from the last question about like eric getting the ball and touching the ball in the paint or just anybody touching the ball in the paint i don't know if you noticed cam the last couple of games he hasn't really been dribbling so much you mm-hmm. know he gets kind of caught up dribbling if you notice these last couple of games he's been catching it on the wing and just like quick move left and get into the and get into the rim and that's just a result off of rotating the ball and attacking the closeout he's getting it and just going straight to the paint and he's getting he's getting dunks he's he looks great but then when we don't give it to e and we pick and rolling up top we don't we don't get this kind of movement so we got to go one-on-one we got to take a bad shot it's four seconds left on the shot clock yeah so just wanted to uh to touch back on on, on that 
No, it's true because it also helps mitigate the turnovers with him when he's not dribbling as much because we all see how talented Cam is, but he he can Mm -hmm. struggle when he's trying to force it and dribble through three guys there, which he has the ability to do and he pulls it off from time to time, but can also throw it away in that time. So I I think that is a good example of some growth from this team and being able to build off of the strengths that we've seen uh, and and get him in the rim because when it's that quick twitch move to the left, no one can keep up with him when when he goes able to get baseline. Yeah, at all. But the the frustrating thing is that we could say that about multiple guys on this team because Armstrong has that same type of drive to the basket. Slater to the Mm -hmm. left is going Mm -hmm. to plow through guys. Dixon, when he gets that ball, even at the the free throw line, he can take a guy to the basket. So it's just realizing it and then making that happen. Because I think all three of us could list off the top of our heads right now the games where Dixon has been able to dominate in the paint and where they went to him every single time. Mm-hmm. That works really well, but we get and, caught in the rut of then everything we just said, throwing up the contested threes late in the shot clock. And then we're not able to keep up with teams down the stretch that, as Pat has been preaching all year long, go on these incredible offensive runs in the second half and they're scoring 49 points like Providence did. Yeah. So Providence went on a really big run. You know, obviously I say it all the time, you know, basketball is a game of runs. Every team's going to make a run, but you can't let a team go on a multi-digit run you know like 12 15 points that's hard to come that's that's hard to recover from and uh i just i just think everything we do we we put ourselves in that in, in a position you know we we just put ourselves in a in a position where it's just hard for us to to win games yeah Pat, i was thinking about transitioning to the defense are you good with that yeah sure so alan think of yourself as a as a head coach for an opposing team right now would you be more excited about trying to exploit Villanova's three-point defense? Or would your mindset be to try and exploit Villanova's lack of size down low and trying to take Dixon offensively? Size. And every team does it. Every team knows that we switch everything. And we're successful with that when we switch out, when we double switch with the um, guard at the end. So we get the big man back on the big. But when we don't do that, when it's the guard guarding the big man, oh, forget about it. Mm. That we could be either fouling or we scoring, and every team does it. Every single team does it. Has done it this year. That has beat us, or that's at a high level ranked teams. Even going back to Iowa State, going back to Portland, they all did that. Soon as we switch and have the guard on us, mismatch, throw it inside, and they build leads like that. I think. Uh, I, I but don't get me wrong. I think our defense hasn't gotten much better. Our defense much. definitely has gotten much better. But once again, little detail stuff like that. I'm like, Eric, let's make let's let's switch. Like switch back onto it. I don't mm-hmm. want to be on a big, you know? Like let me get the guard, you get the big. You gotta do it quick. That's like the type of communication you gotta have. Like that's one of the weaknesses of this team is post up, post defense with the guard. You know, a lot of teams attack that. And uh I don't wanna say that. We give up the three, but teams like taking the three on us. Definitely, for whatever reason they and and, and they and they shoot it pretty good. You know, there's there's been games where they don't shoot it well, but teams really do attack that three point line, and I really do think they attack that our switching defense the most. But if I'm a player, I'm definitely I'm looking to attack that switch because I'm a guard. So if you don't give it to the big man, then I'm gonna have a a mismatch with the big. 
Yeah, sticking with the defense, I'm interested from like a, a player's perspective. Is it difficult to switch from man to zone mid game and back for you guys, or would you rather just stick to one uh, defensive game plan during the course of a game? Because I think Kyle's been more man lately. He just certainly experimented with some zone earlier in the season, but you know we see times where it goes in and out. I'm just interested from, like I said, a player's perspective. Yeah. How how do how do you do deal with that throughout the course of a game? Listen, once again, not comparing yep. Kyle and Coach Wright, but I used to love stuff like that. We used to love stuff like that. Just changing defenses just gets everything. It just makes the um, other team out of whack, out of sorts. They don't know what's going on. We would sometimes start in a press, go all the way back to, to, to zone, and then we're like 10 seconds left, everybody switched to man. Like we used to have like complex schemes like that where we would trap one guy or we would have one rover guy going around and everybody else is in the zone um, on the block. The, the file line extended and then on the block and we zone up there while one guy's freaking denying another person. So, I, I mean, <laughs> I, awesome. I like – Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's got to be so tough to prepare for as an opposing yeah, geez, offense. Man. Yeah, I, I can't remember who it was, but I remember it was Will Sheridan. We, we made Will Sheridan and a rover guy. He was, what, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, and he was just denying one of the guards that was killing us all game, and the other guys had to do something. They couldn't mm. do anything. We wound up winning that game. But um, to go back to your question, yeah, I, I, I don't think that that's something difficult. You know, you just – that's just focus. Like, that just comes down to focus. Like, you know what you're supposed to do. You got to execute. That's, yeah. that's, that's all that is. Yeah. The idea of switching is so fascinating to me too because it feels like it's been so successful for Villanova in the past because all five guys in the floor have been versatile and athletic enough to guard every position. Not saying that Dixon doesn't fit that mold, but we've seen him be taken advantage of time and time again. So mm-hmm. Pat and I have gone back and forth if we should see adjustments to that, if we should see halftime adjustments to that. I think that's been an upward trajectory as of late because the defense has been improving, but that's something, at least from a fan perspective, that's always a thing that I perk up when I see because the switching is becoming predictable enough that teams are really killing Villanova over it. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's just like the NBA. If you watch an NBA game, let's say Kevin Durant got the ball. He's going to, he's going to call up, whoever he thinks got the best mismatch or the best matchup, he's going to pick and roll because he know they're going to switch. Yeah. Like, you, it, it's just basketball. You have to do these things. So they're going to switch, and you got you to gotta defend. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to switch, you got to be able to defend. Like, you can't switch and not be able to have your five-man guard a one or your four-man guard a two, you know? Yep. The, t- happens- the conference – the conference is getting better too. The conference has gotten better every single year that Pat and I have done this show. So <laughs> when a guy, when a uh, Ryan Nemhard or a Ham Jones or a Colby Jones, every single team has one of those guys that can step up when Villanova is defending their primary score. So that makes it harder too. Yeah, I mean, just look at the coaching in the league now. The exactly. coaching in the league has gotten tremendously better. Yeah. And, I mean, you think a guy like Shaka Smart, he's not telling his point guard, hey, they switching on pick and rolls, get the switch, back it out. If you got a mismatch, take it. If not, give it to the big man down low. And if they come if they come trap, kick it out, whip it weak side, and we play our offense. 
You know, we just got to – Villanova knows that too. Like, they know teams yeah. are going to do that. We just got to prepare for it. it. It's so true. Um, You know, I we talked about quad one wins and, and the lack of it. Another place that this team has really struggled this year is on the road, where their best road win so far is at Madison Square Garden against St. John's. Uh, your senior year, you guys went 10-2 and two on the road. You had wins over teams like Louisville, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and Syracuse out on the road. Uh, did, did anything change for you guys in terms of preparation or, or how you approach that game for what was able to make you so successful? Um, in terms of just like road games and uh, like when I was playing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, see, well, senior year, I mean, it's kind of unfair because I, <laughs> the team I, I was so I, good. <laughs> yeah, our, mind, our mindset senior year was it was crazy. We barely practiced. Um, our practices would probably be like an hour including we did a lot of shooting but we and we went over the game plan watched video and that was pretty much it but we've been there for so long you know it's, it's our fourth year coach Wright didn't really have to tell us much yeah. we had on um, me Kyle Randy kind of leading things on the court so I don't know senior year is kind of kind of a, a bad example because we we was like super locked in and we wanted to win the national championship bad as hell that year because we junior year was kind of sour the way it ended. Mm-hmm. So we were we were real locked in senior year to to try to win. Yeah, so I think a lot of that comes back to focus then, which which we mm-hmm. you know we've talked about a, a couple different times. So now it's just an interesting approach because I, I do wonder if anything goes into it with this team struggles uh, on the road there. But as we've seen that pop up a couple times, you know you you wonder if they can really drill down yeah. on that. Like I love the road. Like I love fans screaming at me, cursing at me. I love. What about that. Providence throwing things at you? That might have been a new one. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So that didn't happen while while, while <laughs> I was playing. But that scene was pretty funny the other night. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I mean, that, Pat and I, I think both. This leads into my question a little bit, but Pat and I did not have high expectations because <laughs> Providence is such a tough place to play. But They've they're lost going one to game have in like the last thirty six, I think. But they're going to have to steal one. So my question mm-hmm. for you is, and and Chris from the Full Forty, who you're very familiar with, asked mm-hmm. us this question too. So I'm going to steal it. Hope for the remaining four games, and then your belief for the remaining four games. You can do something more general, or you can talk about record specifically, wherever you want to take us. Yeah. All right, so what I hope for the remaining games, I just want to see these guys get one quality win. You know, yeah. I, we got Quake, we got Creighton and uh, Xavier, if I'm not mistaken. Do we have anybody else? Uh, and UConn. UConn. Hall. And UConn. Okay. Oh, Seton Hall wouldn't be a quad one on the road? Uh, I think they might still be. So it might actually be four okay. opportunities, yeah. Okay, so – Man, now it's four. I was going to say maybe try to get one. But I feel like if you could get two of these wins, it's good for the morale, mm-hmm. for, like, the confidence. I think that's what's lacking the most. Like, the confidence, the morale. Instead of going into games being like, oh, we Nova, we about to kill these dudes. It's like, oh, damn. Like, we got the the target on our back now, and, like, all these teams are coming for us. I wonder if that's, like, kind of affecting them a little bit a little bit mentally but uh I definitely will hope that these guys can win at least two just for the morale and for them to know themselves that they can do it like they can beat a good team Mm -hmm. and like what my expectations like the reality what I think about the situation you know they haven't they haven't gotten a really 
good win. They haven't gotten a big win yet. So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if they can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they, they still my boys. Like, don't get me, don't get me wrong. But, yeah. You know, just based on what you've seen this year, you know, we got, we, it's just a hump that we have not gotten over yet. And it's every game. It's the same hump that we can't get over. So I don't know. I, I don't know if they can yeah. do it. I think Pat and I said almost exactly the same thing. Like yeah. maybe Seton Hall on the road. I understand that that's a really tough play, place to play. That yeah. I think they've proven they can play better offensively than Seton Hall can. But for them to win two would give us confidence that they can at least attempt to make a run in the Big East tournament. If they yeah. drop ball four, we really don't have any choice but to think they're going to be bounced early too. Just think about that. The last four games coming up, and then you go into a Big East tournament mm-hmm. where it's possible that you can get five, maybe six teams in the tournament. That's not an easy tournament. Yeah. No, and they're no, going to have to win it. four games because they're going to play on Wednesday night too. It's not the three. So, yeah, it is a tall ass. This, this is a this is a very tall ass, like you said. <laughs> Certainly. And then I, I've got one more question for you. I'm interested on your take as we look to the future of this program. You know, put yourself into Kyle's shoes. How do you sell this program to transfers here? Just understanding how college basketball is continuing to evolve and evolve so quickly with NIL and everything that's going on there. How would you look to use the transfer portal upcoming? So for right now, um, what I would do is obviously get look at the players who fit the Villanova system, like what type of guys we like, what type of guys we want to bring in. And then, you know, you reach out you reach out to these guys and you basically tell them what it is. You know, we, we look in, we like a guy like you, we're trying to build something here. You know, we just, we obviously lost our coach, but coach, right. We still have a great program. Um, we got great guys. We got great history here. You've seen what we've done with multiple players in the NBA. And like, this can, this can be you. If you are willing to come to the school work, Learn everything you need to do, win some games, and then you know your future. You got a you got a pro career after that. Yeah, I love that. Let's let's just you might as well just clip that and play that over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in the Villanova brand is not diminished just because Jay Wright has left. It's been no. a tough year. They have yeah. not won as much as they've as they've won in the past. But I believe that Villanova is not going to be as part of a sell as some other people might think. No, it's not. And then obviously these kids are in a transfer portal for one reason, because they want to leave. So yep. like you obviously not happy with your situation here and we have a situation here yeah. for you, you know? It's very well said. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. But Alan, thank you so much for, for coming on with us. We have an absolute blast every time we talk with you um, and just really appreciate your time. Of course, anytime. I definitely love coming on the show. Love seeing you guys. Emma has no Red Sox gear on today, which is cool. You know what's worse, though? I'm actually wearing a Providence shirt, so that's oh, probably yeah. worse. How did you do that? <laughs> that's why we can't post the video. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. I wasn't expecting that one. No, it's no. tough. No, are, can the Yankees take over the Astros this year? Man, I am so sick of the Astros. <laughs> Every single year. I think everyone is. Yeah. Every every year they just knock us out all the time. But uh Astros are a good team. They're they're a real good team. I didn't think they were gonna do it without Cabrera this year, but they did. Yeah. They they're on for they're just man, the infrastructure that that organization has built is just unbelievable. Um but spring training time, right? 
Yeah, we need some small ball hitters at the Yankees. We need some small ball hitters that know how to get on base. So when Aaron Judge and Stan comes up, they up there with only one out. Because yeah. you know Stan likes to strike out. But, uh, <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> yeah. No, Brian but Reynolds we, would be a good fit for them if they can pull that trade off. I'd like him a lot in front of those guys. Yeah, but I'm I'm definitely excited for baseball season startup. Oh, yeah. Red BX. <laughs> as are we so if you like what you're hearing from alan as you know alan's the best uh you can follow him on twitter at a ray for three and like we said thanks so much for coming on all right so i think you could tell by the beginning middle and end the the gushing that pat and i did over having alan on we're just so thankful for him for his, his time and his attention to detail and everything that he does for villanova twitter that was a super fun interview um we had a bunch of different questions, you know, for philosophy to team building to actual game plan to the future of it. I think we got to hear a lot of his thoughts uh, and very well, you know, put together thoughts on, on all those different aspects. So I really enjoyed doing that interview and I hope everyone listening did too. Yeah, I hope so as well. You always ask the best questions about him as a player too. And I'm always blown away by his recall of such specific moments and i wonder if all athletes are like that but he can just remember everything about everybody that he played with and he was listening off the heights of some of these guys it's so cool no it's fun because obviously listen he's been there he's done that i talk about villanova because i watch a lot of villanova and have seen a lot of villanova and watch them very intently but i wasn't out there on the floor so i I think it's great to uh, to be able to get a, a former player's perspective, especially one of the all time greats for for Villanova, and see you know are there parallels from the time that that he was there? Are there things that he thinks are a little different, and, and how do they connect? So always leads to a fun talk, and, and I thought he did a great job. Yeah, and that's why his perspective is so unique and, and refreshing amongst a lot of negative chatter of late. So we're not going to go too much deeper into the Providence. Sorry about talk. the negative chatter. Yeah, seriously, Oops, my bad. We're going to talk a little bit about the Xavier game tonight. As you're listening at 6:30, they've got Creighton over the weekend. Xavier last time out was one of the highest scoring affairs that Villanova had this season. They lost mm. 88 to 80. I think the biggest difference is that this time around Xavier will be Sands Fremantle and Villanova will be plus Justin Moore. Very true, very true. Um it, that Xavier game Really, you know, I, I just go defensively with where they were. Yeah. They gave up 88 points. It's the most points Villanova's allowed uh, in any game this season. So what I'll be watching for the most is as this defense has made some strides, and now, of course, we didn't really see it as much against Providence, who put up 85 uh, on Saturday. But as we have seen a better unit from them and a, and a real better performance of late, how are they able to to try and slow down Xavier on offense, which is one of the best offensive teams, not only in the Big East, but the entire country? Yeah. Probably the weirdest thing that's happened this season is that Xavier lost to Butler at Hinkle. It's it's a little Hinkle match. Now, if they lost at Georgetown, I would really go with yeah. it. Uh, by the way, Georgetown picking up that win. I know. Um, so I was going to counter with now, does that seem like the worst spot loss, especially since Georgetown beat Butler? But yeah, I think you're still going to deny me that. <sighs> Butler's so bad, but DePaul is just I, yeah. Well, I never mind. We're out of my mind. Um, so, so Xavier actually, has, has Xavier <laughs> lost to DePaul and Georgetown now? I mean, not uh, not Georgetown, DePaul and Butler. I believe they have. Wow. Yes, they did. And they're gonna be a top ten team in the country potentially. It's wild. 
yeah they're what are they 16 in the latest ap poll um it shows i guess what that shows you is that they can be had um Mm -hmm. the issue was that those games were on the road and xavier has lost one home game this year and that was to indiana so they have not lost in conference play yeah uh, at cintas another theme providence hasn't lost on the road either You, you and i are on the same page about how tough that win would be for nova i feel a little bit better because I think Xavier has shown weaknesses. Their defense can also be suspect at time. The flip side is that Villanova is going to have to have an incredibly hot shooting performance, something uh, they haven't showed yeah. in a while. And even though Fremantle's out, we know that the we know of the presence that Nunji has down low. Kunkel, Jones, Des Claude. I know he didn't play against Butler, but I think he's a really good player. These shooters are so underrated in the conference and I feel like we say this about every team, but Xavier just has so many different ways to beat you. And Villanova does not have those type of scoring options at this point. No, I still think at full health, they're the best team in the conference. They're just not at full health right now with Fremantle being out. And Fremantle being out is a huge thing because as we know, flashback to that uh, that game in early January at the Pavilion, Fremantle absolutely lit the cats up. What do you have? 26, 29 points, uh, I believe, in that game. So it was uh, 29 points. So it was a, a very rough performance. And we know that Nova can struggle, you know, with, with bigs, especially on the interior. Ed Crosswell really had his way on, on Saturday. Uh, Jack Nungy is still a very good big man and has the potential to cause some issues here for Villanova. So what Nova has to do is they have to find a way to do what they did to Creighton, which was a road game against a pretty good offense. And they really limited Creighton's output in that game, holding them to just those 66 points. You know, this is a game where it will be important for Nova to try and play slow. It will be important to uh, to make sure that they are taking away, you know, uh, Xavier's first options on offense, because if you let this team get into a scoring groove, with the offense that we have seen from Villanova, they just simply can't ke- keep up mm-hmm. with Xavier. So this has to be a muddied, ugly game if Villanova is going to find a way to win it. Yeah, and those are some of my favorite talking points with Allen about the game plan and how excited he gets when the offense flows through Dixon versus when it doesn't. It felt like we were literally all on the same page. Exactly. The frustrating thing is that he can't ask why he can't know why the follow-up question to all these things we all can identify the weaknesses but nothing necessarily changes you see that against providence they put up i believe it was 29 three-point attempts or something like that yeah 29 they they made eight of them and dixon made three of those eight so we continue to see the three-point percentage plummet and no difference to the amount of attempts they make while Mm -hmm. we can while we also see how crucial Dixon is down low and he's able to play through the paint so the caliber of defense isn't going to get easier down this stretch I actually think it's going to get harder especially because these last four opponents have incredibly talented big men who are going to go up against Dixon to try to take him away but I would just love to see a little bit of tweaking try and bring that three-point attempt number down and get those driving guards going another thing Alan talked about how talented Whitmore and Armstrong and Slater and Dixon can be when they drive to the basket so let's try and see more of that Dixon is going to be the key here um for for this game and honestly for a bunch down the stretch it's 
on offense, can he be the guy, the go-to guy for them where they can run offense through both in being able to get, create post shots for himself, as well as find shots for, for teammates, or at least, you know, be the, like a hockey assist basically, and, and take that a consideration from the defense to allow things to open up. And on the defensive side, you know, he, he cannot get sucked up towards the three point line and leave for just a ton acres of space behind him. He's, he's got to be very careful uh, when he's around that perimeter for the regions. Cause that's where we can see him accumulate some fouls that can certainly affect his minutes later in games here. Uh, Eric Dixon needs to be absolutely on his game, both offensively and defensively here. And for me is most certainly uh, the key against an incredibly talented Xavier team. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, I have the the Xavier roster pull up, pulled up, but I'm just trying to look at some size because I think that's an underrated part of Fremantle's absence. They, they miss him offensively extremely a lot, of course, but his defensive presence is second to none. You have Nunji at seven feet tall, Fremantle six, nine, you have Jerome Hunter, who I think, at 6'8", has really grown into his role. But the Kunkels, Tandys, Sule Boom, Claude, those guys aren't going to be able to stop Dixon. So if you can pull Hunter onto Dixon, that also opens a a shooting opening for one of the guys along the perimeter. And and that's what Alan preached too, having good three-point shots, open three-point shots, and then hopefully the three-point percentage goes up so this is all just to expound upon your point that this game will run through Dixon and he needs to have one of those dominant performances that we've seen a couple times this season he certainly does uh it's this is a we talk about tall asks uh with Allen this is a very tall ask uh going into Centos here on, on Tuesday night uh trying to find a way to you know win for the first time uh on the road against a, a really good team uh in Xavier who, who doesn't drop games at home um yeah just saying that out loud uh, doesn't sound great, um, but you know we're, that's where we are at this point for Villanova. We know it's a difficult matchup, but can these guys respond and can these guys prove to us they can win one of these big games on the road? Another yeah. opportunity. And try and show something different too. Like against Providence, it felt like the same weaknesses over and over, and that's why Pat and I weren't flush with new things to say coming into this episode, but Unfortunately, I remember after the Butler at Butler episode, we had that nice mailbag. We talked about a lot of different expectations for this season, the hope and belief question that I've come to very much love. Well, I think we hope for two wins. I don't think either of us expected those two wins to come from at the dunk and at Cintas Center against Providence and Xavier. Am I no. correct no, no, there? No. Yeah, no, no, no. The, these yeah. are these are probably two of the the two tougher. I mean, they're all very difficult. I right. you can make a case that Villanova is not going to win any of these games, and I could not. It's tough to discount that uh, in a way, but uh, from looking at these on a strength perspective, yeah, at Providence, at Xavier is uh, two very difficult ones. I guess I'm just trying to talk myself into having lower expectations because it, my viewing experience isn't any better knowing Villanova is probably going to lose at Providence versus actually watching the game going and, and viewing my anger level. So I'm trying to level set with myself, okay. Pat, as I'm sure a lot of people are doing. Yeah, I still get really frustrated during those games yeah. when uh, the ball doesn't move and then a shot goes up from three uh, after the ball has not moved for 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I feel you. You hope to see something different. You hope to see some fight. You know, we talked about it, you know, them potentially trying to get some bite back after that DePaul, Seton Hall, and Butler win streak. It's at least partially in there. Can they keep that growing and you know yeah. find a way to find a way to grab this and 
you know, building momentum, I get that people are probably sick of hearing that and it's become a cliche to my ears as well. But if you're going to drop this game, that makes the next three even more important. So you've got to show something in this game that is going to give people hope that you can win against Creighton or UConn at home and then steal one against Seton Hall on the road. So you, you've got to build upon yourself in some way. You can hope. Uh, yeah. I, I I do not have a great feeling about no, how things are going to go tough. on Tuesday night. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Hang in there, Nova Nation. And I hope yeah. that – I really hope that we are wrong. Um, and it is a it is a different episode coming out. But, okay. yeah, this is a very tall ask with all the talent. I mean, starting five-wise, especially when they have Fremantle, there's not another starting five I'd rather have in the conference than that Xavier um, starting lineup. They, they are so, so good. Uh, they do everything right. It's just defensively they can be had at times. So the issue is that Villanova, as they've been playing, are not in a position to exploit teams through their offensive play. So that it's not a great matchup in, in that sense. But, hey, we just talked about it. weird things can happen in this conference. Mm-hmm. Weird things have happened in this conference. So why can't Villanova go to Cintas on Tuesday night and win the game? Absolutely. And if you're feeling sad throughout the week, just re-listen to Alan Ray's interview. Exactly. Just listen to the Alan Ray part. And don't worry about this Xavier preview. Just listen <laughs> to the interview. That That's the yep. real part of this uh, episode anyway. Yep. Cool. And then before uh, we, we send things out here, um, you know, if you have been listening to this show, especially our mailbags, you know, one of our main supporters He's Jerry Quinn. Jerry always asking us questions, always asking great questions, and we love interacting with him. Well, Jerry helps run the Villanova NCAA Student Challenge. You can go to N- Villanova NCAA Student Challenge.com. We're also going to uh, help tweet out the link there on Tuesday morning uh, for you to be able to check it out for yourself. And, and what this is, it allows for current Villanova students to write an essay and have a chance to be selected to go to the first round game in the NCAA tournament. Uh, as we know, not all of us uh, as Villanovans can go to it. So the the main goal here is to be able to say, hey, let's send a current student there, kind of live vicariously through them, give them the experience of seeing the cats on the road now. We know there is no guarantee that Villanova will be in an NCAA tournament game. So we'll see if there is a postseason tournament to be able to send them to. But a really cool thing that uh, that Jerry is a big part of. And uh, just for all the support he shows us, wanted to help show him some here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a phenomenal program. And, and knowing Jerry just through this, I'm sure it's so much work on his end, his end that he loves doing. And you and I were both writers in college. It's cool to have yep. that opportunity to send it in and actually have a tangible reward in something as cool as going to see Villanova in the postseason on the road. That's a pretty sweet opportunity. It, exactly. And even more so too, it, it's more than just the, the postseason opportunity. They do do weekly drawings um, every Thursday, the first one being on uh, this upcoming Thursday on 223 and going through on March 9th, uh, where they will pick a, a winner out and you can win things such as a bottle of wine, uh, a gift card, two tickets to a, a game at Wells Fargo, um, you know, a, a credit basically towards the Villanova class ring. So all different things here, really great opportunities. If you know a current Villanova student, you know, send this to them to encourage them to participate because it's it's a really great thing run by some really good people. Yeah, awesome. All right, that'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. Again, just want to thank Alan Ray for his time today. Always have a blast 
talking with him. Uh, be sure to check out VUHoops.com for all your Villanova content all season long. Follow the show on Spotify, subscribe on iTunes, and follow us on Twitter at S-O-N-N-Pod. We will be back at it on Thursday. Enjoy the game on Tuesday, everybody, and Nova Nation. That's a wrap.